You work hard to build your business. And as a smart and savvy entrepreneur, you understand the importance of protecting your business. This podcast is brought to you in part by True Shield Insurance Incorporated, underwritten by Northbridge General Insurance Company. True Shield Insurance was made for you. It takes a hands-on approach and understands the startup community's culture and needs. Get coverage insurance for your startup starting at just $29 per month. Visit trueshieldinsurance.ca today and get the right insurance solution for your business needs. Welcome to Startup Newsweek, your source for news affecting entrepreneurs in Canada. My name is Matt Allen, and today is April 19th, 2016. C100 launched their ambassador program last week to scope out up-and-coming startups and connect them with the C100 network. The West is starting up, Startup Kamloops, Startup Revelstoke, and Startup Como Valley have been selected to join the Startup Canada Communities Network. These communities will link entrepreneurs with local and national resources, mentors, funding, and spaces, calling all export startups. Last week, Startup Canada launched its Demo Day pitch contest for global startups to pitch for $15,000 in prizes. The deadline is April 21st, and details can be found at startupcan.ca slash demo day. The media are coming out in full force for Startup Canada's Day on the Hill, including Startup Canada podcast's very own host, Rivers Corbett, Betakit, The Globe and Mail, The National Post, Bloomberg, CPAC, Vice, iPolitics, and The Toronto Star will all be out to showcase Canada's entrepreneurs, and entrepreneurs will have the chance to pitch their companies for greater exposure. Register now for Startup Canada Day on the Hill, taking place in Ottawa on May 5th at startupday.ca. You'll get to meet with ministers, government leaders, industry anchors, and Canada's top entrepreneurs and help to build Canada's innovation strategy. Startup Newsweek is brought to you by Steadfast Beta, Canada's most effective user testing platform. Use Steadfast Beta to talk with users, perform usability testing, and conveniently analyze data all in one place. What are you waiting for? Visit Steadfast beta.com today. One of the most important parts of naming your new business is finding an available website name that works. Today's episode is brought to you by .ca. Join thousands of Canadian entrepreneurs who have chosen a .ca domain name for their business. Choose your .ca domain name at cira.ca forward slash startup today. Entrepreneurship doesn't have to be tough when it's cooked right. Co-founder of Relish Gourmet Burgers serves up well-done recipes for startup success. He's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Season 2 of the Startup Canada Podcast Show. I'm your host, Rivers Corbett. The Startup Canada Podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the rallying network uniting Canada's entrepreneurship community. And on this podcast, we connect you, the idea person, the startup founder, the creative thinker with the movers and shakers of Canadian entrepreneurship. Here on the show is where we fill you in on trends and opportunities and possibilities for your next step as an entrepreneur and where we have conversations about advancing entrepreneurial growth and success in Canada. Today's episode is brought to you by Intuit QuickBooks, your partner in building a financially fit and fundable business. Get 50% off. That's right. 50% off QuickBooks online today by visiting intuit.com quickbooks.ca forward slash start right. Do any of our new listeners remember to subscribe to the Startup Canada podcast in the iTunes store, then visit startupcan.ca to join the network to connect, to support, 
mentors, training, funding, space, and to your local startup community. Ladies and gentlemen, today we are speaking with a Vancouver-based entrepreneur, columnist, and educator who has been nominated for two Emmys. And then we're going to talk about that, of course, Michael Tippett. We're going to be talking about the Vancouver startup scene, Syrian refugees and startup communities, and growing the sharing economy. Michael has been a very successful entrepreneur for almost two decades. He founded and managed several early-stage technology companies in New York and Vancouver. And in 2005, he founded and later sold Now Public. Now Public was named one of the top five most useful news sites on the web by The Guardian, and Time Magazine named it one of the top 50 websites for 2007. Michael ran Grow Lab in 2011. For two years, he ran Hootsuite Labs also and was the director of new products at Hootsuite. He is currently the CEO and founder of Wantu. Welcome to the show, my friend. Great. Great to be here, Rivers. Thanks for having me. Well, and I want to make sure, first of all, I get the, the pronunciation of Wantu down. Is that is that the correct pronunciation? Yeah, that, is, that is correct. Yeah. It's either, mm-hmm. uh, some people either say Wantu or Wantu, but uh, you, you've got it nailed. It's Wantu. I've got it nailed. And on my script, they, they have it down as lowercase. Is that how you spell it? Our, our word mark is lowercase, but we've decided uh, that you can't really fight the, uh, the world of uh, title case. So we're, we're title case. <laughs> Title case. That's very cool. Or the reason I asked, I think that's so cool that you that you do that. And I I own a, a gourmet burger uh, um, restaurant chain, and uh, and we we it's named Relish, and we spell it differently also, and it really messes people up. So uh, <laughs> so good for you to try it anyway. That's the key. Well, look. Uh, first of all, I've got to tell you, really, congratulations on uh, Startland.me. It's a, it's really really cool, and so I don't mess it up. I want you to tell everybody, you know, what's it about and what sure. kind of resonated in your heart that you wanted to start uh, startland.me. Yeah, yeah, thank you. It's um it's been amazing to see uh how people have kind of rallied behind it. Uh, uh it's an initiative that uh I, I was I started along with a couple of other people here in Vancouver, uh namely uh, Kate Armstrong at uh, Emily Carr and Boris Wurtz who runs uh, Venture One uh Capital here in the city and the three of us uh, I, I think Felt the, the the way a lot of Canadians did when uh, they saw the tragedy unfolding with the Syrian refugees, and uh, we really wanted to help. And uh, so the, we put our heads together and thought about what we could do specifically as people who are in the local startup community uh, that would be unique and valuable to to people who were who were coming over and needed some help. And uh, the things that occurred to us that would be would be most valuable would be that we would uh, help integrate. Um, these new arrivals into the startup scene by providing them with uh, potential workspace. And so we've uh, got together a whole bunch of different organizations, startup in the city, uh, who are willing and able to provide space for people to come in and work. These aren't necessarily jobs. They're just, it's a chance for people to kind of figure out the scene. And um, and then also provide them with equipment if they need it. So uh, smartphones and laptops, which are obviously a critical part of anyone's career as they enter a new country. And finally, uh, training and education. And so we've had a number of uh, organizations in the city step forward and donate training or subsidize training. So the idea is basically to get them trained, equipped, and embedded in the startup community so that they could start their lives as entrepreneurs, potentially. Uh, and I think you know the, the thought process was 
uh, I, the, the traditional narrative around you know refugees is that they that sort of have to come and pay their dues and start off in something kind of lowly and work their way up. And you know we we believe that uh, people have the potential to come in and and really contribute from day one. And we just want to make sure that they had the uh, capacity to do it. Um, and it's been fantastic. The response has been amazing from the local community. Uh, we've raised uh, almost three hundred thousand dollars in cash and in kind donations, um, and we've got a fundraiser. Uh, page up where people can donate additional funds, and if people want to step forward and uh, donate training, office space, or equipment, they can do that as well. Yeah, that's so cool. So, I, w- when you when you bring these people together, is still the language barrier the major issue? You know, it's hard to say. We're just we're just getting the the people are actually starting to arrive uh, as we speak in in the in the region in British Columbia and Vancouver. And so, right. you know, step one for them is to get settled and get a place to live. And mm. many kids you know get a winter coat. Um, and so they're starting with the basics. And uh, once they get that established, then we'll start bringing them into the space. And and then we'll see. Um, you know, I suspect that mm. uh, a big part of it will be language. But you know, the best way to to, to to solve that problem is to have people immersed in, in yes. culture. So yeah, it's it's so cool. I mean, you really are a startup, right? For what yeah, you're trying to, right. you got a customer and you got a vision as to what value you can bring to that customer. So, do you have in that funding, uh, Michael? Is there a portion of that that's seed funding? Have you got it allocated, or you, or or is it mainly just the basics of what you talked about already? No, it's really just just trying to kind of acclimatize um, these new Canadians to the startup scene and get them uh, connected and networked and uh, get them thinking about, you know, maybe they don't need to go and get a job with someone. Maybe they can start their own thing. So step one is just to get them sort of on solid footing. And then uh, if we can get seed capital in or financing, that'd be fantastic. But uh, uh, step one is just to, is to get them a place and equipment and, and the skills. You know, what's going to be cool is talking to you five years from now of these startups that have been created because of the, the singular vision that you and your team had. That's, uh, that's going to be a real, uh, that's, that's going to be a real cool conversation. So what I wanted to ask you though, is that this is something that, uh, that is, that is, uh, well entrenched now. And I say, well, because you know, you've got an infrastructure in place to make it all happen. Um, mm-hmm. in my city, Fredericton, we've got a similar, um, infrastructure in place. We call it the hive. Mm-hmm. Um, and from your perspective, uh, other communities that want to welcome, whether it's Syrians or like Syrians into mm-hmm. their community, what are uh, what are some of the ways in which they could welcome newcomers through entrepreneurships like you're talking about? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, we've had a lot of people suggest that we kind of expand the scope, both in terms of reaching out to other communities, so outside of the Syrian uh, community, because obviously they're just one group of people who are coming sure. to Canada. So um, we're we're thinking about ways we can do that. We don't want to move too quickly and get ahead of ourselves, but mm. um, you know, we'd we'd love to be able to do that, and we would love to kind of replicate the model uh, here in Vancouver across the country to other cities. And so, if we can work the kinks out and figure out how to get it working here, uh, you know, we are certainly open to the idea of uh, sort of open sourcing the model and having it handed off to to local chapters or people who want to do it uh, in their local communities. Um, yeah. I, I think, you know, I think a really valuable lesson you just mentioned there is to resist the temptation of getting broader from your focus than what you need to, even though there is a human element, a very real human element about, you know, Syrian refugees, Chinese refugees, Vietnamese refugees or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're going to learn from a specific niche first and then grow the value proposition from there, like any 
like any operation would from a startup perspective. Mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. I love that lesson that you, and, and, and the resolve, I'm sure you're getting pressures, like you say, uh, to, to expand the offering, but, uh, it's, uh, it's your baby and you're going to do it your way. I love it. <laughs> very, very cool. So look, uh, you've been uh, a long standing leader in Vancouver startup community. And, um, so tell me, how have you seen that community evolve and shift over the years? You know, what's better, what's mm-hmm. bad, what trends are you see that are going on? Maybe you can just give us a sense as to that uh, the landscape. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's it's uh, it's changed dramatically, and, and like you said, I've been I've been in this business for close to twenty years, and so I started my my career as a startup entrepreneur, uh, pretty much when the web was born, in at least in a mainstream way. Right. Um, and you know, I mean, I think back to those early days, and I, I started one of the first digital agencies in Canada uh, in the late nineties, and. Uh, Back then, the whole notion of a startup was not even really a concept. Right. No one ever said startup. You know, they right. said small business, or they said yeah. you're an entrepreneur or something. But this concept of a startup didn't even really exist, and it certainly wasn't a cool thing. Yeah, or uh, it was a job, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> nobody understood. I mean, when we when we were out trying to sell websites to people, they just they looked at us blankly, like, "Why would I do that?" <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, the, there's a lot of groundwork, uh, unbelievable amount of groundwork is now in place for people. So if you, if you tell your parents you're you know, going to start a startup, they think you're, it's fantastic. But back then, yeah. people would kind of look at you like, well, what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or your mother's embarrassed to even tell their friends. Yeah. And they certainly didn't know how to explain it to their friends. No, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, so aside from just having the, the kind of shorthand to, uh, to explain it to people and have them understand it, uh, it's just it's it's vastly different. I mean, the 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 big difference I would say is the cost of doing anything. Mm. And uh, you know, when we started, uh, the cost of a gigabyte of storage was six hundred bucks, and wow. now that's two cents. And right. you just basically turn an instance on in the cloud, and you're off to the races. Uh, when we had to when we built websites back in the day, we actually had a closet in our office with a server that we would have to set up and configure and connect to the internet. And that was the way you did it. And, yep. uh, so that's all changed. Um, and just, you know, like with the, with the projects I'm working on now, it's uh, absolutely fascinating to me to see how you can, you can literally plug a piece of uh, a corporate infrastructure into your business in a SaaS-based way. You know, so as we kind of are standing up the company I'm, I'm building now, whether it's marketing or um, CRM or customer support or success, whatever you want to call that these days, um, you can literally get a piece of software online and have yourself set up and running with best practices and people in place in no time. Uh-huh. And so the, the, the potential for building a, 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 the capacity that a large corporation would have taken decades to, to, to build uh, is absolutely staggering. And I think that's one of the reasons you're seeing these uh, um, uh, high valuations in these, in these private companies now relative to big public companies is that the big public companies, their value used to be in the fact that they would have this kind of legacy of practice that had uh, then resulted in these systems in being in place, distribution systems, marketing systems, sales systems. Now, so much of that is just such a, it's modular. You can basically plug and play uh, and have it instantly connected to your enterprise without having to do that. And so it's mm. actually, I think, in some respects, lowered the uh, value of that long-standing investment, and 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 raise the relative valuation of the companies that are that are coming online now. Yeah, very cool. So, 
a lot of the stuff you just talked about, uh, in, in fairness, I would say is happening in many communities across the country. Mm. In your opinion, though, what is Vancouver uh, or BC doing right that you're not seeing in other parts of the world, let alone the rest of Canada, and that we can learn from? Yeah, I mean, I think that we, uh, you know, we are very lucky in BC to have a number of very, very good universities. And uh, I think that's absolutely critical. Um, we've got uh, Simon Fraser, we've got UBC, we've got Emily Carr, which is a, a very, very good design university, one of the best in the world, in fact. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I'm a big believer in um, investing in education, whether it's technical education. But even, you know, I think I think liberal arts is actually something that is going to become an important mix in uh, the skill sets that, uh, you know, tomorrow's technology sector is going to require. You think about what it, you know, what's involved in building a a successful company these days. And it's as much art as it is science. It's communication, it's writing, it's kind of telling a story, it's understanding metaphor, it's, it's design, it's aesthetics. Um, It's almost, uh, you know, you're almost building political systems, right? If you're building a social network, you're effectively building a political system. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, education and training is absolutely critical. Um, I think of late, the uh, the provincial government has kind of seen the light, and that's largely a result of the collapse in re- the resource sector. And mm-hmm. so they've said, we're now a big, you know, tech hub, and uh, I guess better late than never. Um, but they've, I think, recognized that um, it's you know, very, very risky. And I think Canada as a whole has, uh, on a provincial and BC and federal level has put way too many eggs in the resource basket. Um, and it's nice to see that that is now being diversified and people are moving out of that and saying, you know what, that's not how this country is going to survive and prosper in the 21st century. We need to, you know, we need to be thinking the way that, um, the, our, the sort of the founding people of this country thought in terms of building railroads. You know, if you think about uh, the railway was effectively the first social network in Canada mm-hmm. and it really defined, cool. it defined the country, defined where the major cities were and uh, the lay of the land and, and, and everything. And uh, we've kind of forgotten that. And uh, I think we've forgotten that, um, you know, we could build grand things and, and that is really the essence of a country. Right. What I find is interesting, and maybe I don't know if you're seeing the same thing, but I, I find the the push for the the startup ecosystem is actually coming reverse now. It's coming from the municipalities to the province to the feds, and the feds are, in my opinion, the uh, the last ones to to really uh, push behind. I mean, I was I was just just I couldn't fathom when I saw the distribution of uh, ministerial portfolios where. So small business was put into the same portfolio as tourism. I'm just yeah. like, it's, you know, it's like, where's your head given all this magic that's happened and all this devastation that's happening. So, uh, so it's great that, you know, your province has seen that and you're right. Better late than never is absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that the feds are soon going to have to, uh, and soon going to have to at least give us our own minister ministerial portfolio. Well, look, um, I, I wanted to talk, 
talk to you uh, because people are going to ask anyway. And I always thought it was freaking cool that Rivers Corbett had season <laughs> tickets to the New England Patriots uh, football games. But to win two <laughs> Emmys, man, you just trumped me big time. Not one Emmy. No, that's not good enough. You won two. So so just so we all know, because we, you know, from a lot of people look at Emmys and they say, oh, that's, that, that's cool. And oh, yeah, I hear about them. But yeah. I don't think every people really know purely what an Emmy is versus an Oscar or a Grammy sure, or something like sure, that. Those sure. two are easy. Tell us yeah. w- what's the Emmy about first. And then of course we want to know about the, this great recognition and it really is an awesome recognition. Yeah. Well, thank you. No, it's, it's, it's a funny thing. Um, so the Emmys have to do with, uh, with television, right? So Oscars uh, are film and Emmys are television. Um, and so, uh, when we were running now public, uh, we were effectively competing with uh, television uh, companies um, in the news business. And you could actually uh, be nominated and win an Emmy for technical excellence. So it's kind of a new category um, okay. that's, that's come on. And so we had built this, we had built this tool uh, that mined Twitter for newsworthy photographs. And so you were able to go and uh, click on a spot on a map or identify a location and it would pull in all of the newsworthy photographs. So if there was a, a building on fire in Manhattan or if there was cool. a, you know, a, a parade in Pasadena, you could literally go in and you could sort of be transported directly to the scene of that story. Um, and so we were very early on in the whole citizen journalism, user-generated content world. Uh, almost before it became a thing with Facebook and Twitter. And our tool was uh, just a way of, of, of accessing that information. So it had never been done before. And um, so we were, we actually, those, both of the, uh, and I have to correct you, unfortunately, we didn't win, but we were nominated. So, uh, oh. uh, <laughs> so it was, it was twice, yeah, twice, twice a nominee, never a winner. But you know. <laughs> the bridesmaid, you were the bridesmaid. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> well, it's still pretty darn cool. Now, did you get something that, that you can put on your wall about that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's mounted proudly uh, in my in my living room. <laughs> oh, that is so cool. So cool. And do you, do you have children? I do. I have, yeah. um, I have, uh, two little startups. Uh, I've got a 10 and a 12 year old. Um, and you know, they tease me, they say my, my 12 year old says to me things like, uh, you know, what was it like in olden days Dad?" <laughs> <laughs> and I tell him, but I tell him, I say, you know, I say you were alive in olden days because when you were born, Netflix didn't exist and the iPad yeah. didn't exist and uh, the Connect didn't exist. So you know what olden days was like. And, and so he, yeah. he just sort of stares at me. Uh, yeah, of course. Of course. Well, just to put it in perspective for you, I've, I've been an entrepreneur for 18 years. So you and I are kindred spirits in that journey Excellent. for sure. And I, so I know everything you're talking about. <laughs> Absolutely. It used to be called the information highway. It was never called the internet, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Too Super funny. highway. Yeah. Super highway. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's impressive stuff. It really is. And it's a, it's a great story to have is like, I love telling the story of having the season tickets to the, the Patriots. It's just a, it's just a cool thing to talk about. Congratulations on that. So tell me about uh, want to, I'm really, uh, sure. you know, in, uh, in the information that I received from uh, the good folks at startup, they, they said, uh, you got to explore this cause it's, uh, it's kind of, kind of cool. So mm-hmm. what are the current areas of focus with, uh, with want to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So want to is really, I think the, the, the product of my, my experience in building startups and, and doing new product development, you know, over the course of my career. And the, the, the problem that I, that is, 
always uh, emerging, no matter which, what organization you're involved in or what scale or, or size or stage of the operation you're in, is, you know, what should we do next? Um, and right. that can be, uh, I'm sure you have uh, questions like that in your, in your line of work where you're uh-huh. having to imagine what content comes next. Um, uh, but it's, pr- it's also true in the context of product development. So if you've got a feature set of uh, things you want to build that's 300 uh, items long, you know, how do you kind of order that into a way that makes sense in terms of uh, what your users want? And so with Wantu, the idea is that we help you figure out what's uh, most important for your customers. And um, so it's it's a combination of kind of a crowdsourcing tool where people can submit ideas, um, where you can do kind of social listening. So you're, <laughs> you're, you're listening in on what people are saying on Twitter and you're pulling those suggestions in as ideas and they become kind of in, put into a standardized format and people can vote on the ideas that they like. They can have conversations. You can ask deeper questions about what did they mean by this and you know how would they envision this working or in what case would this be useful. And so it's a way of taking all those ideas, organizing them, prioritizing them, getting deeper insight from your customers or stakeholders. And then as you move through the phase of determining if you're going to build something or not, um, you either make the decision, okay, we're going to build this. It's really useful. People want it. It's manageable. It's in line with our strategic objectives, in which case the people who have advocated for that then become your uh, ambassadors and fans and, and loyal mm. followers. Um, and if, if you're not able to build something, uh, you manage those relationships. And so you let people know that you're not able to do this, but there's a whole bunch of other things that you're doing. So it's, it's a way of engaging your users, keeping them uh, informed as to what you're doing, making sure they know that you're listening to them, um, and just you know making sure that what you're building has uh, relevance in the marketplace. And uh, I think it's just, it's a critical part of of doing good product development because uh, things are so are moving so quickly now, and the world is so disrupted that it's very very easy to make snap decisions that are just wrong. And this, this sort of gives you a gut check at every stage of the way. So how are you? Uh, how are you branding one two? That's I mean I'm I'm, I'm, I'm just bewildered. I'm not bewildered. That's the wrong word. I'm so impressed <laughs> because I'm actually looking at beginning a new journey with a uh, with an idea, and mm-hmm. this whole uh, validation process mm-hmm. is where we're at right now. And uh, so you give us customers potentially who are already fans. That's that's what an, an, and have given us automatic feedback before we even started it. So mm-hmm. how did uh, you know? How do you brand that? I mean, I'm re- I'm understanding it now because I have the the privilege of talking to you. But how how do you mm-hmm. market? want to yeah great question i mean I, we have you know, so we have we have want to which is our, our obviously our company um, yep. but we are working with uh we're working with banks and universities right and, um uh software companies uh and, and a multitude of other content companies and so we have uh, what is effectively a private labeled version of want to uh that you can set up and get up and running in um, less than 15 minutes and it will carry your kind of branding in the same way that you're Facebook page or your Twitter account would. And it provides a platform for uh, your community as it grows to, to, to come and submit their ideas and then review others and vote on others. So uh, the way we're, uh, we're seeing our clients use it is that they'll put up the idea board 
uh, the Want to Idea Board with with their branding, and they'll say, uh, you know, what would you like to see uh, from your credit card company, or what would you like us to offer next fall for our uh, in in the curriculum, or which features would you like us to build into the next version of the product, and just direct everyone basically to the Idea Board. Uh, where they can participate, and we can kind of sort that stuff out, and then they take their own ideas uh, because you know most companies will have a backlog of, of ideas of their own, right. and, and put them in there and see how they fare. And we find that it's it's really an interesting dynamic because uh, you know you'll you'll think as a product organization you'll think well we've brainstormed this uh, you know as far as we're going to go and we've got pretty much every idea ever conceivable, mm-hmm. but you'll put in ten ideas and you'll get twenty or thirty back. And often the 20 or 30 that you hadn't thought of were the ones that are really, really, really popular. And so it just it makes sure that you're not missing any kind of uh, missing things that your customers actually want. And it also provides you with a level of refinement around uh, the way you're designing your product. You know, most product people have a clear vision of what they want to build. You know, Stuart Butterfield, who's the founder of Slack, is one of our advisors, and he's to me, one of the greatest product people around. And so he knows what he's building. He's building Slack. He's got this vision of how it works in his mind. But you know, there are people who use that platform who are power users. And there are little things about Slack that they might want to tweak and change. And so those aren't necessarily obvious to someone who's uh, thinking high-level, sort of you know, long-term in terms of the overall uh, vision of the product. But they're often the critical things that uh, will prevent someone from becoming an avid uh, and repeat user. You're, you're freaking amazing, man. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Changing landscapes and, and making a huge impact to it. I just think that's incredible. And I'm, you know, so here, ladies and gentlemen, listen to this podcast, do yourself a favor after this podcast, go check out want to, because if you're an entrepreneur, you've got to subscribe to the service. And is it a subscription service? It is it, uh, has it, has it worked from a revenue perspective? Yeah, it's so it's a monthly subscription service. Um, and we're actually, uh, uh, depending on when this broadcast goes out, uh, your listeners may be able to uh, get in on time. We're offering a, um, a pilot project where people are able to to test out the uh, the application for for a, uh, a limited time period at absolutely no cost, and so we'll provide wow. the software for free, and we'll actually even uh, provide you with account management. So, uh, love it. Uh, yeah, so you can you try it out. It's risk free, um, and uh, uh, and it'll it'll help you. You remember encyclopedias? I do. <laughs> that, 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 was our, that was our research then, right? Exactly. <laughs> We're part of it. Yeah, that's uh, wonderful. Wow. So glad that uh, we did a deeper dive on uh, on want to. I've just uh, make a note to uh, to talk to our team about doing that. So so uh, you're not one for traditional names. It's not the the Michael group. So we've talked about <laughs> want to. Now I want to talk about a, a decacorn. What is is that the right pronounce, pronunciation? Is it was it decicorn? I think it's decacorn. It's kind of a name I made up. Um, okay. Yeah, I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think you know it's 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 my kind of cheeky attempt to uh, I think kind of bring people down to uh, reality a little bit in terms of what people should aspire toward if they're if they're in the startup world and they're building a company because you know there's been this uh, overwhelming fascination with unicorns. Uh, which yes. of course is the billion the billion dollar company. You build a billion dollar company; it's such a rare thing. You know, it's like a unicorn. Um, 
it's less rare these days, but it's still, you know, in the grand scheme of things, pretty unusual. You know, we have two in Vancouver and we're, you know, punching above our weight. Right. Um, and I think, you know, I think it's worth reminding entrepreneurs and people who are starting up companies that you don't necessarily need to make a billion dollar company. Um, it's fine if you make a company that's one tenth that. So that's where the sort of de- decacorn, decacorn uh, notion comes from. It's basically one tenth of a unicorn. And if you if you think about the math on that, you know, if you're building a unicorn, uh, how long is that going to take? Right? Mm-hmm. If that's a ten year exercise, aren't you better off trying to build ten companies that that are one tenth that size and try and do it in a shorter period of time? Your likelihood of success is way way higher. The number of potential acquirers you have is way, way higher. Uh, the time it takes to build it to that scale is way, way shorter. Um, and so you can start sort of thinking almost like a VC where you're taking potentially multiple bets um, and, uh, and having a, a higher likelihood of success. So I just think you know, people should just think about what they're aspiring to do and, and, and think about the math. Think about how long it's going to take. Think about what the likelihood of that happening is and think about Who's going to buy you at the end of that? Who's got a billion dollars to buy a company? Not very many companies. Who's not got many. Hundred million. Yeah, much not many anymore. Yeah, or sorry, sorry, not many from the billion. It's uh, yeah, a lot more for the hundred million. So, but but here's an interesting thing that you've alluded to, but I didn't actually touch into mm-hmm. is that it doesn't the long term journey doesn't really connect with a typical entrepreneurial DNA. I mean, you yourself are, are a prime example of that. You didn't start a company and then you're still with that company 20 years later as, uh, as your sole entity. You've, 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 you've gone in different directions. And so I think I like the, the desicorn because it really represents the true DNA of what an entrepreneur is all about anyway. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's, I think people have different approaches to a different different kind of goals in mind. You know, some people just want to build something quickly and get out. Um, I think most entrepreneurs don't even really think about that necessarily. They just think I'm going to do something because I'm passionate about it and it's cool. And right. uh, you know, one thing I've learned in my experience is that it takes five years to build something significant, um, at least. You know, uh, now public was. We were running it for seven years by the time we sold it, and uh, I never even considered that. Um, right. But you know, if you think about how many kicks at the can you get, um, you don't get very many. You know, if you're right. a serial entrepreneur, and each 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 company you run will take you know between five and eight years um, to to bring to fruition, you probably only have about three or four under your belt before it's time to you know move on. Right on. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think uh, uh, I think there's you know different people have different aspirations. I think um, you know most people if you if you're at a, if you're at a uh, uh, in a job now for more than three or four years, I think it's unusual. Yeah, it's totally it's unusual. <laughs> so let me ask you this question, my friend. Uh, your journeys have been uh, have been wonderful, and I'm sure that 2016 is going to do the same thing for you. What do you got in store uh, that you can uh, let us in on for projects or opportunities that you're focused in on for, well, now the next 11 months? Yeah, no, it's uh, well, 2016 is off to a pretty interesting start. Uh, there's uh, obviously a lot of kind of challenges in the marketplace. And so that's, uh, I think that's probably going to impact, uh, the startup community in a, uh, you know, in ways that everyone's going to have to be a more agile and kind of responsive. 
Um, we are a very uh, we have a very ambitious plan for the year. Uh, we are going to be expanding globally and uh, continuing to grow and build out our team. Uh, we'll be hiring some people. We'll be uh, uh, expanding into the into the U.S. in a in a deeper way. Um, and we're going to be offering in the next uh, quarter. We're going to be offering up a, uh, a substantial scholarship fund where we'll be donating. Um, uh, a huge number of seats on our platform to universities, uh, educational institutions, and people who we think are doing kind of good works to help them ideate and innovate in the spaces that they're involved in. So um, that announcement is going to be made in the next uh, month or so. But um, stay tuned, and if you're if you're doing something that you think has social positive positive social impact, um, keep an ear out for us uh, because we'll be uh, like I said, donating software to people who we think are. Uh, doing interesting stuff. Very cool. Yeah, that's that's, that's a great brand message you just delivered right there. It's uh, it's got everybody wanting to come back and check it out. Very cool. So, uh, my friend, you're you're uh, you've been on this journey for a while. Uh, you've seen many uh, many uh, pivots uh, in the, uh, the the growth of entrepreneurship in our in our country. But I think we've got a ways to go to really get it to where we culturally needed to have it. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you, what's you know you've got. Uh, Justin Trudeau is going to come into your your city tomorrow, and he specifically asked to talk to you. What are you going to tell him needs to happen in order to take Canadian entrepreneurship to the next level? Well, I think it starts with a recognition that um, everything is being disrupted, and it's not uh, the option of of preserving the status quo is no longer an option. Uh, if you look at the world's largest uh, taxi company, they own no taxis. If you look at you know an Uber, if you look at the world's largest um, accom- hospitality and accommodation company, uh, Airbnb, they own no uh, mm. buildings. And um, so you just you think about how revolutionary that is, uh, and how that has changed even in the last five or ten years. And uh, and those were fairly. Um, boring industries that you wouldn't have thought would have anything to do with IT. Uh, yeah. And yet software is really eating the world and is changing every single industry. So whether it's banking or health or finance or real estate or transportation, logistics, energy, all of these things are being radically transformed by uh, technology, uh, whether it's self-driving cars um, or the sharing economy, all of these things are really changing things and disrupting them in irreversible uh, inevitable ways, and so yeah. I think you know. Step one is to kind of recognize that, and then and then step two is I think understand that technology is not necessarily uh, an, a kind of something that's tacked on to an industry. It's not like you have the healthcare industry and then you have technology, or you have the real estate industry and then technology is a piece of it. Technology is core and critical and central to all new emerging. Um, industries. And we really need to understand that. We really need to, need to kind of put that front row and center uh, when we're thinking about, about everything. Uh, mm. You know, it's, things are changing. We need to be ahead of the curve. We need to be encouraging risk-taking. We need to be fostering early-stage investment. Um, you know, the, it's, it's, it's pretty easy to get funded once you've got traction, once you've demonstrated that your business is actually viable. You can go out to the you can go out to the markets and you can get institutional money pretty easily. What's really difficult is going from zero to one. Yeah, you know, starting off getting that initial traction, and I think that that's where the government can play a role is is really supporting that. You know, shred, IRAP, these sorts of things are are, are excellent programs 
because they help companies right when they're at zero, right when they're starting, when they've hired their first person, when they're yeah. you know paying their first month's rent. That's the hardest part of starting a company. And if the government can support that, then uh, then we'll have more entrepreneurs that get to that second stage. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I love it. I'll add one more to your list. The world's largest uh, uh, theater company has no theaters, and that's Netflix. There you go. So, yeah, there's yeah. another one. Yeah, and it just goes on and on. Uh, and and uh, so, wonderful, wonderful thoughts. Well, Michael, we're at the end of our great conversation, but I wanted the last word to be yours. From insight perspective, is there anything that uh, that you would like to suggest, comment on, thoughts, piece of advice for, for our listeners? Yeah, I guess I would direct this at uh, all the entrepreneurs out there. Um, you know, having done this for many, many years, I would say a couple pieces of advice. One is that time is not on your side. Um, so act now, act quickly, and move move fast. Uh, two, aim high. A friend of mine once told me that the worst thing you can do is aim low and miss. So aim high. And uh, and the third thing I would say is. Uh, Whatever ideas you have about your startup or the new product you're building or your new company, those will be better and stronger if they're tested and if they're challenged. So don't be afraid to put your ideas out there and challenge them uh, because they will become better for it. Brilliant. Brilliant. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Michael Tippett, uh, Emmy nominee Michael Tippett. Uh, CEO and founder of Wantu on building a solid ecosystem for new coming entrepreneurs in Canada and much, much, much more. And again, I recommend you uh, turn off this podcast and go to Wantu right now. I think it's going to be very valuable. And I'm, and I'm not, you know, the proverbial, I'm not being paid to say this. I, I smell value when I see it or when I smell it and I see it. Go check this guy's company out. I think it's going to be a change maker. So thank you very much, Michael. It's been a pleasure and Likewise. a privilege to have you. Thank, thank you, you so for much. Me. Great, great chatting with you, Rivers. Thank you for joining us today on the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly program dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every Canadian. Want access to even more amazing entrepreneur content? Well, then make sure you check out startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like the popular online training events, startup chats, and startup school. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash events for more details. And my name is Rivers Corbett. I'm your host. As always, I invite you to follow me on Twitter at Rivers Corbett. I do the same thing with conveying all kinds of cool ideas and uh, conversations with entrepreneurs around the planet to help you guys have super success. And also, I'm pleased to introduce my newest business venture, Coaching by Rockstars. That's www.coachingbyrockstars.com, where I am building an amazing team of business coaches to help entrepreneurs around the planet. If you've got an interest in that, come and check us out. Until next week, I'm Rivers Corbett, leaving you now with a sneak peek of next week's episode. So what's uh, what's your vision? You're, you're into chapter two, maybe chapter three. Uh, what's, uh, what's chapter eight look like for Wattpad? There are so many people who can read or write. Uh, there are so many people who uh, are connected to the internet. So, uh, and when, when you look at the size of the market, you are talking about billions of people. And if you look at where we are today, we have roughly, you know, just over 40 million monthly users. 
it's not even one percent of the population. <laughs> so our goal is to connect uh, at least a billion people. We can get to billions potentially with an S. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we also want to uh, um, use uh, really writing as as the as the foundation. So if you look at the uh, our product uh, early on, is purely text-based, uh, purely fictional stories. But um, if you look at the product uh, now, uh, people are starting to uh, write um, uh, or upload uh, comics on, on Wattpad. People are putting uh, v- mixing video, mixing animated GIFs within the, t- the text. So it's, it's a mixed-media platform now. and. Mm. People are telling stories in, in a very creative way, and ultimately, uh, these stories, uh, m- many of them, they are very entertaining. M- many of these stories are inspirational, and at the end of the day, what we want to do is bring entertainment and inspiration to billions of people. <laughs>